Welcome to the first episode of Quick Spin, presented by AutoWeek, the podcast where we go on drives. We talk about cars. We try to get to the essence of what the car is. Today, we're joined by Mark Vaughn from the seat of the Polestar 1. Polestar 1 as uh, the spinoff of Polestar, the former trim line of uh, popped-up Volvos. Now, it's its own car company, and this is its first car, a little hybrid with a lot of GT aspirations. You can take a look at the Polestar 1 on our Instagram right now at Autoweek USA. While you're there, drop us a comment to let us know which cars you'd like to hear us review in the future. In this episode, we're going to hear Mark do some live drive commentary, and he'll tell us how the Polestar compares to the likes of Tesla's, Aston Martin's, and a Ferrari even. But first, we have to pay the bills here. Is there a young person in your life who's really into cars? Is there a young person in your life who you want to really be into cars? Give them the gift of RNT Crew, the ultimate magazine and subscription box for car-loving kids from road and track. Perfect for ages 6 and up. Each box includes cool accessories, fun activities, and a magazine chock full of facts, stories, games, and more. Just head to rtcrew.com to sign them up. That's R. T-C-R-E-W dot com. But now, if you could do me the world's biggest favor, head over to Apple Podcasts, drop us a five-star review, but now, Polestar 1. Mark, can you explain real fast the Polestar 1? You're sitting in it right now. What is it like to be inside of the Polestar 1? Uh, it's like being in a, a Swedish art project, essentially. Uh, I feel like I have to discuss existentialist uh, philosophy, uh, right? Uh, poetry loaded with angst and dread and maybe play in a death metal band uh is, is that about what you're looking for yeah well, when in rome do as romans do and when in a polestar postmodernism is uh is it well, this is this is beyond postmodernism, man you know i was saying this car uh we all see these drawings that uh the uh, designers do of cars future concept cars right and the drawing looks absolutely fantastic. And you see the car, and it looks like, you know, a three-box sedan that's got all kinds of clearance on the wheel arches and everything. They did not do that with this. This is the first car I've actually seen, the first production car that still looks like the drawing that the guy did. Now, this thing came out, uh, geez, it came out a long time ago. It was first shown as a concept car in, uh, I think it was Frankfurt in 2013. And uh, everybody liked that then. I remember seeing it then, and I, I liked it. And um, uh, and it just sort of followed along, and now they are finally producing it. Polestar is, you know, sort of a separate entity. It's sort of part of Volvo, which is really part of Geely. And these things are made in China, but uh, it's, it's its own. It's an exciting new car maker. Let's look at it that way. Let's just, let's just you know, nobody wants to get bogged down in details. This is an exciting new car maker with a futuristic look and futuristic drivetrains. How about that? Well, I love it. Speaking of futuristic drivetrains, this is a hybrid, which is not that futuristic anymore. But can you tell us about the powertrain in this bad boy? Well, the thing is, the the powertrain has got they they took everything and uh, threw it at this car. So it's got that that Volvo four cylinder, two liter four cylinder engine with a supercharger for low revs and a turbocharger for high revs. And that's driving the front wheels and then completely separate, not connected in any way, are two electric motors on the back wheels. 
And in between those two is a, I think, 34 kilowatt hour battery. Huge, uh, pretty big battery, I should say. Not huge. By today's standards, you know, Teslas have 100 kilowatt hours. But this is a hybrid. And for a hybrid to have 34 kilowatt hour battery, that's pretty good. So it's like if they could add a nuclear power plant in this or a wind turbine or something, they would have done it, but they couldn't really do it. So, Mark, you're sitting inside this cabin and uh, it's probably similar to a Volvo. What does it feel like? What are we looking at? You're sitting in the driver's seat. What are we seeing? Okay, you're looking at uh, because this is the first one and they didn't have a whole bunch of money. You're looking at some Volvo things, that goofy knob where you twist it to start and stop. The, uh, hey, I like that knob. Uh, the, uh, uh, nobody likes that knob. Don't. And the screen, uh, you know, it's a nice functional screen, but it's driving me crazy. <laughs> well, the most uh, oppressive thing is that uh, sunroof. And it's not just a sunroof. It's the entire roof is glass, which seemed like a really good idea back in the freezing winter of uh, northern Sweden. It, uh, it gains a lot of solar heat. And uh, even the Tesla uh, Model X with the big uh, glass roof on that thing, you can get a little screen that you pop in and it's, it's actually kind of nice. As far as I know, there's no such thing here. So you just sit there gaining solar uh, energy all day long and it's, it's really hot. The, uh, this one had uh, a nice inlay of carbon fiber on the dash and the doors and some dark uh, charcoal-y looking leather and stuff. Uh, the seats in mine were white with these contrasting bright yellow, maybe they match the uh, calipers, seat belts, uh, which I, again, I'm not a fan of those particular things. I, I'm a fan overall of this car, but there's a lot of little things that I found irritating. But uh, yeah, inside in it, it's a two plus two. So there's kind of a back seat. And I think you might actually be able to get person. I didn't even try. I'm just, I'm too old. I, I can't even get out of an easy chair, Barca lounger. But uh, it, it wasn't as bad as some that I've seen. You know, there's a couple of Jag two plus twos, a couple Aston Martin two plus twos, and, you know, other cars. And generally two plus two is just for insurance reasons. But uh, so that that's in the back. And then you, you pop the trunk and it's really kind of cool. They have a clear, must be plexiglass that shows you the connections for the uh, hybrid battery system you know, the bright orange cables showing high voltage cables. And they kind of detail what those are. The trunk's pretty small, but you're not looking for uh, practicality in this thing. So, uh, yeah, and, and outside, it just, it really looks good. It's a really good design. And I wish and I hope that, you know, they keep this up at Polestar because if they can keep that design going, uh, they could really be a success. I think design, especially at this end of the market, has got to be more than 50% of the reason that people buy things. And this, Oh, absolutely. This it's, this looks much better than a Tesla, much better than an AMG GT, which is, uh, you know, sort of a competitor. Um, uh, so, I mean, it competes with Aston Martins and uh, Teslas and, well, Aston Martin's still internal combustion. So it depends how you want to measure competition, you know, size and seating configuration and doors or drivetrain or price. This sort of sits out there all by itself, really. There's no, I'm trying to think, is there a $155,000 a uh, hybrid coupe? Well, there, there was. The BMW i8. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a beautiful car, too. Well, Mark, big question. What's it like to drive? And this is a new podcast, so we have some new features rolling out. Uh, I actually forced Mark to record himself driving the car. 
And we are going to cut to that right now. And uh, anyway, enough yapping. Let's uh, let's turn this thing on. You twist the little knob there like you do on all the Volvos, and then you've got this solid glass uh, shifter knob that you um, just... The weird thing, I know I'm, I can get irritated by a lot of stuff, but like you push it to go into reverse, right? You push it forward. That doesn't go into reverse. That goes into neutral. So, I mean, that's probably only a, a problem the first time you try it. It's not going to be problem once you do that every day on your commute to your mega office in Silicon Valley where you will pound your desk and demand results. And there's the beeping. I hate beeping too, but you know, am I a weirdo for that? So I'm driving now, still reversing. It still counts as driving. And uh, let me see. And then again, you have to click it back twice to get uh, drive mode out of this. <clears throat> There's a lot of cabin noise. The uh, ride is not smooth. It's not really harsh, but it's not smooth. Uh, I had it up uh, a couple times, two or three times I went up Angeles Crest Highway in this thing just because it looks sporty. And, uh, you know, I'm in my mind, I'm comparing it to um, the Ferrari. 812 super fast and because uh, it's kind of a competitor to that maybe I don't know it's uh, as far as uh, configuration and uh, look it's kind of a competitor to that but uh, at only hundred and fifty five thousand uh, dollars plus fifteen hundred in um, delivery it's uh, it's nowhere near the uh, Ferrari in price and as I found out on the uh, drives up on Angeles Christ, it's nowhere near the Ferrari in uh, driving feel. Uh, this thing, uh, of course, the sound from the engine is not like a, an A12 super fast. And uh, it's kind of raspy. It reminds me of the first Fisker Karma in a way that you've got a, a small, uh, small engine, in this case, four cylinder, that's uh, trying mightily to uh, do to make to be as efficient in power delivery as it possibly can be, and it's just not that terribly efficient. Uh, it's efficient, but it's not powerful. It does not inspire you to want to go to you know take this on a track day or anything. And up uh, in the mountains on those uh, twisty two lanes, as the car riders say, the uh, the car you know I mean it it wasn't it wasn't dangerous or anything, but it wasn't fun either. Uh, it does control body roll very well, but uh, the steering feels uh, less than precise, shall we say. Uh, again, it's not bad. It's not, you know, all over the place or anything. It, it does go where you, uh, you point it, but there's just not a lot of really great feel through the wheel of this thing. And when you push it through... Um, tight turns and uh, curves, it's, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not responsive. It doesn't make you, it doesn't say sports car and it doesn't really even say GT. I don't know, maybe I'm being too harsh. So Mark, coming out of that, you talk a little bit, you kind of compare it uh, to a Ferrari 812 Superfast. Can you, can you kind of explain that? Okay, that was 
that was what we call in a business a poor comparison. <laughs> it is, is kind of sort of that shape, but it, it reminded me the closest I could get to it was uh, a Tesla Model S uh, that was tuned by Unplugged Performance. And they kind of tried to make it, uh, you know, more sporty handling <clears throat> car, but it, it didn't really work out uh, being as good as I wanted it to be. So there's nothing, you can't just say, no, it's, it's terrible because it still works, but it's not really as good as a GT. I mean, compare the AMG GT, as I said, or uh, any number of Aston Martins. Um, what else? It's not, you can't really compare it to the Ferrari. I don't know why that popped into my head. Well, because you're spoiled with such lavish cars that you just uh, can casually whip off the 812 Supervast. I thank the car industry for that. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think closest would be, even though it's not close, <laughs> would be like a Tesla Model S, which is far more practical car. Four doors, uh, what, five seats, four or five seats, big trunk, big frunk, um, and it's all electric. So uh, again, I think this doesn't really compare with anything else. I took it a couple times up Angeles Crest Highway. The first time, I just wasn't terribly impressed with it. I, I was expecting more, and I'm playing around. There are four drive modes on there, one of which is power. And uh, that just essentially, what that does is it clicks on both the electric motors in the back and the internal combustion in the front, and they're going all the time. Instead of its brain figuring out what you really need and where you're driving and how you're driving. It just gives you all the power all the time. And that that's a, a lot of uh, total power when you think about it. When you combine those two, um, those two drivetrains, you wind up with 619 horsepower, 738 pound-feet of torque. That is serious. Those are serious numbers. Now, that's mitigated by the fact that the car weighs 5,170 pounds, even 200 pounds heavier than the Tesla Model S, I think. Although... Uh, pinning that down is kind of hard to do. So, uh, but I expected it to handle more like a GT since it is a two plus two. I mean, Jag makes some nice uh, two plus twos. I, like I keep saying, Aston Martin really feel good behind the wheel. And this one, the steering is, uh, steering feels like a Volvo sedan. You know, it's not, it's not precise. There's not a lot of feedback. It's even maybe a little mushy. Uh, the suspension, they have done a great job of controlling roll in the suspension. But uh, it's still kind of, it doesn't bounce up and down. There's more vertical movement than I would have expected. So uh, it, it's not a great sporty handling GT. I think they've got to work on that. And they, you know, it's the first time, first car, and it looks nice. So I can forgive a lot. Well, if you're talking about first efforts, uh, you can't get much better than this, this podcast about uh, the Polestar 1, also a first effort. Uh, Mark, I have to I have to go back here and and look at look at what you're saying though. I, if it's not a grand tour, what what do you think Polestar was going for with the Polestar one? What do you think they were trying to achieve, and did they achieve it? They were just and, and rightly so. They were in love with the design, and they really wanted to produce it, and they wanted to come out come out of the gate with a great looking car, and they have succeeded in that. It's even it even comes across as a great looking Swedish car, and I I haven't really liked a Swedish car since the Saab 92. So uh, it's it's a long time coming. And I got to think that that's what they were, they were going for. They wanted to really make a statement when they launched and uh, they did. And they'll, they'll get all the other stuff sorted out. You know, it's a, it's a first effort. It's like this podcast. 
Well, that's a. I mean, if you're going to build a pretty car and you're, and you're going out to build a pretty car, they definitely hit a home run with the Polestar One. It does look stunning. Now we can see in the future if if the performance changes uh, as people like Mark send their kind feedback to the the upper echelon at, at Polestar. I'm I'm sure that Mark's words will be uh, uh, very very heavily handled, and uh, changes will be made because of of what Mark is saying. But I mean. I think we, they have a true GT on their hands if they can get it a little more dialed in. What do you think about that, Mark? I uh, not yet. I think it's got it's not a little more dialed in. It needs a, a oh, lot, a more, lot more dialed in. And I'm not an engineer, so I hope they don't listen to me. But maybe they should. The way that I would fix this, and in shocks you've got jounce and rebound, so you want a soft jounce, and then I would say stiffen up the rebound. But you know, there are guys who actually went to college and did all the math to know what to do on this. And they are much smarter than me. But um, I think if you could figure that out, get a better steering system that communicates a little bit better, I don't think it would take that much. I think they were trying to save money on this. And so uh, they, you know, rated the parts bin a little bit. But uh, maybe for the next one that's going to be all electric, full smart, uh, they'll have it sorted out better. Let's, Let's hope. And we can also hope that the next episode is even better than this one. But thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Please don't forget to head over to the Apple Apple Podcast Store and drop us a review. We need as many of them as we can possibly get. And most importantly, as I say on the traditional Auto Week podcast, thank you for listening. Thank you, Auto Week podcast.